How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Legion's Lounge. I'm your producer, Matt, here with your host, CEO of Future Lore Studios and Legion's Realms at War. Taylor, how's it going tonight? Oh, it's all right. It's been, uh, it's been a long week and, uh, and great to great to be back uh, doing the podcast again. And uh, it's always great. You know, to be we're back. with we're with a we're with a special guest again tonight. We are. We got the uh, uh, we got Ambassador Jacob. Our, yeah, one of our great fan ambassadors has been uh, pulling a lot of work for us here in, in Canada. And um, Jake, how's it going tonight, man? It's going good. It's going good. Um, glad to be on. It's... Well, we're glad to it's have excited. you, man. Oh yeah, it's uh, good to be on. Um, oh, so, I... what what's the what's the topic tonight, gentlemen? Or technically, this morning, you guys, everyone's listening to this on uh, Monday morning, so. What's the what's the topic tonight or today? And uh, and Matt, where can uh, where can they find us for this this podcast and uh, and future ones and the past ones? Where 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 can people find us, listeners? So you can find us on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Castbox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Basically anywhere with like an audio service, we're there. All the all the audio streaming platforms. Yeah, all, all of right. the above. You're, you hear that, Jake? You can find your voice anywhere. <laughs> a little intimidating, Vale. A little intimidating. <laughs> not at all, man. Not at all. So, let's talk about the ambassador program. So, like, how? So, how? First off, how did you find out about this game? So, I found out about the game at um, Fan Expo. Um, the recent fan. Um, well, back in August at uh, Fan Expo, I had uh, my sister and I. Had go every year um we've been going for years um i had actually specifically during that fan expo i had decided to sell like the last of my tcg collection mm-hmm. so funnily enough i was there i was planning on either the saturday or the sunday or even the friday selling lots of my tcg collection just getting a couple bucks maybe buying some memorabilia or some things or something um and then I had, um, we had passed by the booth, and there it was, and I'm like, or was it me, or was it my sister, I can't remember, uh, I think it was her, because she was looking for a TCG to buy, and she's like, why don't we just try the demo, and I'm like, you know what, sure, why not, um, and so I tried, I played the, uh, test game with Taylor, I remember mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was stuck on what Legion to try, um, uh, he suggested Undead, and it was, uh, it was, I, I really enjoyed the game. It was, it reminded me of why I enjoyed TCGs, to be completely honest. Um, so, I mean, that was, um, that was the start of it. Yeah, I, re- I remember that, that, uh, that day specifically. I know when you and your sister came by, you were, uh, you both had your VIP passes, so I mean, you guys were some of the first people in, and um, or you had your week, you had your week, a weekend long pass as well. So I, I think we actually met you on the Thursday. Yeah, it was the Thursday. We we got premium passes just to not have to deal with the line, and it was uh, it was um, or yeah, it, and uh, yeah. And was, then uh, and then we you guys came down and, and sat down with us. And I did a demo with you and. I believe your sister did a demo with Nancy, one of our game testers, and um, 
you know, and then you guys said that you seem to really like it. And I, I believe you bought a, a battle deck or something for you and her to try. And, um, and we put your name down and for our, uh, for a raffle draw that you ended up winning something or either you or your sister ended up winning something. And... Yeah. Yeah. She, she went, ended up winning the, uh, Raylene t-shirt and she was yeah. thrilled. I think, I think even each of us got, um, one of a different battle deck because we both wanted to try the Legion that we played. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, and we sort of tried it out, um, brought it home, and then the next day we uh, came back and got more cards. Yeah. And then the next day we came back and got more cards. I remember that, yeah. You guys came back each day, and that was great to see. And you sat down for more games, and yeah, I know the, I think it was like the third time, I think it was on the Saturday. It was a really, really busy day, and um, we had a small break in um, demos. And like I had a lineup all Sunday or all Saturday for demos. Um, but I remember that we had a small little break. Um, I got a chance to actually eat something. And then uh, then you came by and it was a matter of uh, instead of obviously doing demos, you're familiar with the game at that point. You just asked for some deck help and some building of the decks and stuff like that. And I know you took a picture of the of the of the demo decks we were using and um you know, and then I know you started then at that point you had already you already cracked boxes on the Friday, right? Oh, yeah, so. we had um we had um, decided to split a box, I think, um, and in the, um, she ended up pulling, my sister ended up pulling the uh, Guardian for Orcs. Ooh, I see it. Okay. Vithira, and then we um, ended up splitting a Frontiers box. Okay. And she p- pulled, so we each took half the box. And she ends up pulling uh, Overflow Magic. Nice. Right on. Exalted right out of the box. Well, that's that's a, awesome. Yeah, that was on card. the um, Saturday after she was wanted the uh, she wanted to figure out how to build um, Mythical Beast, and I was trying to figure out just more about how Undead and Titan worked. Um, and that sort of was the uh, start of it. I had. Um, I know you do you do had a Titan deck that you got a chance to play against AJ because AJ came out there our uh, our our typical champion in most in most situations and he he came out and he actually sat behind the the table and worked with yeah. you yeah yeah it's just awesome bro it's a uh, he's crazy good though it's scary sometimes <laughs> oh yeah that um, I actually have not played against him in any of in any of the tournaments um damn yeah i so i actually funnily enough i like there's several legions that i just haven't straight up haven't played against Hmm. um it's kind of the way it works out i guess i mean we do have eight it's a little bit more variety than most tcgs um instead of just five colors having eight makes it a little bit more diverse and then of course, you know, depending on who's piloting what and where they where that shakes out in a tournament, sometimes you you play the same Legion back to back, sometimes you play the mirror match, and sometimes you get something brand new, right? No, exactly. I remember um it was like I remember for the uh for the five K I was playing and then I had the um I was playing against Undead, I was playing Orcs. Not a good matchup for, for Undead. And then it comes to the top eight and then goes to the top four, and I'm playing that exact same matchup again. Oh, that's that's rough. A little that's bit rough. Orcs and undead. I've been on both sides of it. It's not fun as an undead player. 
oh, yeah, it's... rampage over it. everything. Yeah. It's one of the it's the rocket percenters element that we built in, and uh, you know, undead's match against orc is not favorable for the undead. Doesn't mean it can't be won. Uh, oh, I've seen it. Won. I've definitely I've won seen it before. Yeah. It's just much more difficult. You have to alter your playstyle significantly. Oh, definitely. I, I actually think though. Personally, I've had more trouble against Hero than any other deck using it. Well, using most of my decks, actually. No, that's fair. And I think Heroes against, like, against as most decks, you said? Um, yeah, I've played against Heroes as um, Undead, Titan, Angels, um, and, well, actually, I've played against them as every Legion, but the ones that I'm actually confident in my decks in for. Yeah. Um, was and the only ones that I've had any luck against heroes is I mean well demons obviously because you can just steal their armaments yeah yeah well, aside armaments. from that um it's been about a fifty fifty split with um me playing angels and it's I don't I think I just can't play well against heroes um I mean heroes uh, heroes have a very strong negation package once they set up right so it's a it's a matter of trying to break that down and. You know, there's some decks that obviously are favorable against heroes. I mean, Mythical Beast can pick apart that negation package pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, demons can just strip it from them, right? But uh, in a position where, you know, you're playing undead most of the time, um, you know, you need your combo pieces to stick and, and hero shut that down. So, oh, no, especially with like newly added like Dark Woods of Evergreen and all these new power pieces, like. Darkwoods Evergreen, Glinting Lance of Zeon. If you try to remove their back row, let's say you're playing Undead from like a Camellias, and you hit one of those, all your key pieces are just gone. Oh yeah, that's um, I mean I've um not un yeah that's um something that I've really struggled with um pl- play wise, and I mean uh, everybody's heard my frustration about heroes uh, against heroes, especially their um their negation and. Uh, yeah, um, but I mean, I've always, the thing is that, like, even with the frustration, it's always a, it's never a bad or unfun game. It's always, exactly. the matches have always been fun, and it's always a, it's not something that everybody is, um, is facing. So it, you can get sort of the advice from the other from other players, and that's a big thing. Exactly. The yeah. thing is, I found about heroes is once you get past that initial like setup that they have, they really are struggling to get back because yeah, heroes don't don't have a lot of comeback pieces. Um, you break their initial setup, and you can you be able to push through them afterwards. But that's that's the thing, right? Like. I know that in early on, in the very early stages of the game, it was, uh, you know, Heroes won our first ever tournament when the game yeah. first launched. Oh. Um, and then and then after that, um, Titans was discovered, and Titans ran away with the meta for a little bit. Um, and we, uh, until some people got used to how Titans play, and, you know, it's all a learn- learning curve for a new, new game, new players, um, new, new style of, of play, and new set of rules, right? So, um Titans came back down to earth a little bit. Um, Heroes did well against them in that match. Um, 
Then Bountiful Harvest released, and it changed the course of the game. Um, at first, people didn't notice it as much, but you know, some of those key pieces became sideboard options, and it really started to alter how the game was played. Um, oh, yeah. And there's a lot of people early on who didn't have access or couldn't find the Serena Sada. So, um, so the, the people who did, you could see where um, some of those, some people had some advantages with that. But then a lot of people found a lot of um, a, a lot of success with Viviana, um, and that was the whole point okay. of putting her as the as the rare guardian, easily accessible, because uh, she was the first time in the game where um, people who didn't you know, get as lucky as Jake is pulling some guardians in the early boxes, um, were able to get access to one right away. And Viviana really changed the game. Um, you know, she helped you, uh, helped you slow the game down and helped you accelerate when you needed to getting the pieces that you needed. So, um, she really changed the game in that regard. And I know Jake, when you, when you jumped in, we were already, that was fan expo Toronto. So yeah. we had already, um, that was August. So we were a month, it was a month after we had released Frontiers. Uh, re- just released yeah. Frontiers. And I think the big thing about Bountiful Harvest was that, like, we're still figuring out um, plays with it. Um, and it's still continuing to change the meta. And then with Frontiers, is it, um, I honestly think that, well, actually, I wouldn't know. I've been playing with Frontiers. So, I mean, I so I don't necessarily notice the changes that Frontiers has made, maybe a little just from when I first jumped on from some of the early deck lists that I looked like looked at and some of the early builds of the decks that I've used, but um, with I, I'm still noticing changes that people have discovered a new combo based out of Bountiful Harvest. Oh, 100%. Like, I, I think, personally, I think bounty cards are extremely overlooked. Um, I think they're just seen as like, oh, we'll just put these in as filler. Whereas I've discovered new techs with uh, bounty cards, and they're honestly quite powerful. Like, well, and yeah, that's that's the thing, right? Like with, with legions being a, a tribal style of game where you have to play the one color, um, people find a niche, they find something that works for them in their in their color, and that's what they stick with. And a lot of people tend to either just use bounty realm cards as sideboard options, or like Matt said, filler. Um, when you're just kind of placeholding for a piece you may not have, or that exalted you may be tracking down, but um, you know, surprisingly, they those cards have impacted the game and turned the tide a lot. And that's mm-hmm. why I think it's really cool having you here, Jake, and and having your opinion on this because you weren't there as the in the very very beginning. Um, so you jumped into set three. Now you come from other TCGs, right? Oh yeah, and uh, and a lot of experience with a lot of other TCGs. Um, and I know, you know, obviously, uh, you probably you, you, when you jumped into Magic, they were what probably ten years in already at that point. Yeah, thereabouts. I um, my first game was around. Yeah, thereabouts. Thereabouts. Yeah, and then with other games, you jumped into them. You know, they're they were in different stages along the way of their release structure or how long they've been out for. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a player coming into a new game, what's Canadian made? Um, Jumping in at the set three like you did, um, is that is that uh, is that daunting for a new player because you're three sets in, or is it is it kind of a sweet spot because you're you, you you're not too far behind by any means, but you're you're relatively still in the beginning. Well, how do you feel about that? I 
think that it's um there it, it's not as like being on the first or second set, but I feel like it's sort of a midpoint. So it's starting the game's sort of starting to become established. Um so it's not there's I I personally did not find it that daunting, but I think that um there we're sort of in that time where it's becoming established, but it's still jumping on is still like it's a great spot, especially if you want to get everything and you want to be you're still getting it from the early days of play. Um it's so I don't think it's that daunting. I think that it's like getting on on I almost feel like getting on during set one might be more daunting than getting on during set three. I feel like set three is a pretty good point within the first, like, I also feel like it also depends on how long the game's been out. The game's been out about 10 months now, I want to say. Sorry, a year and, no, sorry, not 10 months, not 10 months. Um, a year and four months. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know why I thought ten months. I, oh, because October and then yeah. four months past October. And October is the tenth month. But, um, yeah. So, a year and four months thereabouts. Which I think is pretty good. And um, Oh, yeah. Speaking as from someone who's come from, like, the second set, uh, when I joined the game, I joined it around May last year. I I came from I came into it going in like no knowledge, no anything, just picking up a deck and playing. I honestly found that having those like few amounts of sets was very helpful for me as a player because then I could really soak in and take in every single card to its face value, opposed to like like if I tried to like go full into magic to like today, I would be catching up for so long. Whereas with this, I was able to like look at the sets and take things in, and actually like not feel overwhelmed by everything. It was it was a very pleasant experience. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's it. Was like learning everything was so there there wasn't too much to take in, which was really really good. Um. And I mean, the most um intimidating thing i think is just wanting that growth with the game is is like my my jumping on point because it's already there it's already started and now you want to like i I enjoy the game so i want to see it grow i want to see it um i had ended up um after fan expo um rolling back a little um i ended up um playing it playing it a bit but then well, there was no local community, so I was looking around for a store. I didn't know of any um, game store local to me because at that point I had um, I had planned to ditch the, the last of my trading cards at Fan Expo. Um, so picking up a new one, huge surprise there. Um, so I was, um, uh, and then I had um, by chance actually, um, I think I cr- stopped by um, Negative Zone once. Earlier in the summer, 
and mm-hmm. passed it by. I talked to um, Alan, the owner, um, and I had I pretty much forgot about it because they hadn't they weren't really doing much with um, TCGs. They were um, more comic based at the time. Still have a large comic collection, but there's more half and half now. Um, and then I had um, stopped by. Um, I had I had the day off, so I'm like, might as well stop. And I ended up talking. Turned out that they had started doing game nights for various TCGs, and I'm like, oh, well, I have this TCG that I've that I picked up at Fan Expo and hadn't um, and haven't had a play group with, and it sort of clicked into my head. So. Um, I got really lucky, actually, I think, um, that Alan was so willing to take on a new TCG and try new things, um, mm-hmm. because a lot of other stores wouldn't be willing to try it, and we sort of tried to start up a playgroup then, and it, um, we, we had some initial success, um, and then we, there ended up being a bunch of Everybody's schedule sort of changed um, come November, so it um, come late November, and it was um, which is it, typical holiday season, right? So people's yeah, schedules, work it, schedules, family schedules all change, and um, and we're sort of trying to um, get things growing again. Um, there, I mean, part of the biggest things in order to ensure its success with a local group and growing a local group is uh, consistency. Um, it's also a bit more difficult when I, when other people currently have a primary game that they're into and they're not falling out of. Um, and at uh, Negative Zone, there's um, most people are really big into Flesh and Blood, um, so it's sort of a Getting people to try the game has been, I mean, people are big into a game. They're not always wanting to try try a new one. So it's um, been getting people to come out and try it. And um, the important one of the important things I feel is to not um, is to understand that maybe not everybody is into this into to your game as much as you are. And mm. to the biggest thing I found is just saying, you know, it's fun. Maybe come out and try it. If you can't make it that like, let me know. I'd always be happy to teach you. Um, and I, I found that worked at negative zone. Um, I think you've done a really good job with that, Jake, in terms of the fact that, you know, being a relatively new store like negative zone is in downtown Toronto, but also, um, you know, them transitioning into TCGs a little more, they're new to that space as well. Um, and then they, as a result, they latched onto Flesh and Blood, which, you know, compared to the other Goliaths in the industry, you know, Flesh and Blood's quickly becoming one of them, but they were still relatively new as well, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think they're in year, year three and a half or year four now, right? So, yeah. Um, so that's new players in a new store, in a new community with a relatively new game. Uh, so, yeah that whole concept of of new 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 um is is great for a store taking a chance on another new game because it's fresh to them and they see the success from the first new game that they brought in but when players are just jumping in to learn at flesh and blood and 
trying to grow that scene, it's difficult to grow a second one for another game. So I can definitely see where you have uh, you've had hit some roadblocks there in oh, yeah, some situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, um, that was um, I had um, I had actually because they did Commander on um, Sundays at um, Negative Zone and it was like, well, might as well go out a bit more. Maybe other people will be interested in, um, I mean, it's always fun to talk games because very few people, well, I find, are only, only interested in one game. Maybe they'll only play one TCG, but they might be interested in, like, a video game or different types of games, and I love games. So it's, um, so I started going to that, um, got a few people, um, to tr- try, um, well, got a few people interested in crying legions, and I ended up going to started me started me going to four one games again. And and for those who are who are listening, not only just in Canada but also in the United States, Jake, what is what is four one games, and what is the significance of that store? So four one games is the largest um, TCG store I know in Toronto. I'm pretty sure it's in on. Ontario or maybe yeah, even it is it is the largest in Ontario for yeah. sure, yeah. Maybe largest um, in Canada too. Yeah, a, there's only I think only face to face is is the only other co- competition, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so it's huge. And I started going there again to their Toronto location. Um 401 has a location in Vaughan and a location in Toronto. Um so I started going to their Toronto location again and I um I, as always, I bring my Legion's playmat. Um, so it just nice big playmat. Um, and people had asked what it was, and I gave me the idea. Well, why don't I um ask them about um uh, the tournament organizer about setting up a learn to play for Legion's, and I'm. Um, they were originally unsure, and they said, well, they'll think about it. Um, and then they, um, it actually happened after one tournament. Um, I had, um, been talking about, um, Legions to another one of the, uh, players there, and he's like, you know what, sure, after the tournament, like, uh, we'll play around. All I'm interested to learn. So we had, um, we had I ended up doing a teaching game, and um, the tournament organizer, I, I'm blanking on his name right now. I know it. That's okay. That's fine. Okay. I'm blanking on his name right now. <laughs> um, he ended up uh, stopping by and seeing the play, and he's like, oh, is that Legions that you were telling me about? Um, and I said, yes. So following that, he, he thought, showed more interest in getting it in. Um, and then, you know, Christmas holidays happened. Things took um, take time to um, settle back down. Yeah, settle back down. So, and now things are looking like they might be doing a learn to play. So it's um, I'm really excited. It's um, uh, the 401 games is huge. There is um, so oh, their event schedule is packed with every oh, every game under the oh, sun, pretty much. And yeah, so even getting. Trouble. Single night a month is like if even or even getting them to do a learn to play is huge. 
Yeah, exactly. yeah. And like prime example, it just shows the work and the effort that you put in and you're and you're the you're one of our crucial uh, fan ambassadors, right? You know, and we've you've unlocked like the like tier one and tier two fan ambassador for uh for negative zone and you know, you've now unlocked tier one of uh fan ambassador for for um for four one. So because they reached out to us and uh, we had got an email from the the tournament organizer and event organizer there, and he uh, he seemed very uh, very keen on bringing it in. He says not only yourself but a couple other people have asked him about it now because they've seen you know they've seen the play map, they saw some gameplay, they were interested in in taking a look at it and running a learn to play event. So you know I I, jo- I know I joked around with you in a private conversation, but it was just like you know I, well this is what this is this is huge news for us. Um, you know coming off of uh, for those of you listening to this right now, you're come, we're coming off of a, unfortunately an unsuccessful Kickstarter campaign, but that doesn't mean by any means that uh, that we're shaken. Uh, if anything, it was a big learning experience for us, the first time in a crowd crowdfunding site, um, and we're going to run it back. And uh, we got some other ideas, some other plans, um, some reworks with the set. But um, hearing this news from both you yourself, Jake, and hearing it from uh, from the event organizer at 401, like having a game store of that magnitude um is reach like out. amazing yeah, yeah reach out and want to plan something with you um as a homegrown tcg and he he really liked and he even highlighted that in the email was that he really respects that uh that it's local right that it's here canada made right so i think that's excellent that we have that opportunity and i know i joked around with you about let's avengers assemble right okay. let's uh Let's let's get the all the let's I'm gonna tap into all of our Canadian play groups and see if we can put together some monstrous turnout um at at uh at 4-1 to really show the community push and the community growth behind it thus far. And you know, you get one you get one opportunity to make a really good first impression. So um I wanna I wanna call on everybody and bring them in. Um and let's do a really good uh, bang up job there at four uh, one. I think that would be excellent. Oh yeah, I mean, especially after um, I mean, I've been I've been calling places, um, stopped into one or two, but mostly it's just been calling and just having four one say yeah, no, well, it's so huge and I'm so like I've um, there's players in Toronto, it's just Toronto's big and there's players in the surrounding area. Yeah, like GTA, you got like three and a half million people there, right? And even if you have one percent of those as players, right? That's a huge, that's a huge demographic of, of people and players. And I think that that's that's excellent. It just goes to show the amount of effort that one community member, one individual can do. And I think now more than anything, this is like a call. This is a beacon, um, a, a call out to our community members that you know, like look at Jake is a living proof. Like Jake is the one that has done it. He's put the work in. He's reached out to stores. He's got it into one store. He's trying to get it into another. Um, you know, 401, it could be a turning point for us. So we can look back on this moment and be like, you know what? Jake helped turn the tides, you know? And uh, and that's uh, that's amazing, you know, that it really goes to show um, how much our community means to us and how much work that they put in. And you know, if we can get the community out to uh, to really help and support that, we're gonna, you know, we'll make sure that we make it worth your while. Uh, we'll make sure that we make it worth the community's while, and let's let's grow this thing, man. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's growth is so like that's 
I'm so looking forward to like the growth of a Toronto community because um, the players are there. There's just no home base, so to speak. Um, and existing players, new players, seeing that is just going to be so fantastic. Um, I think for everybody, both um, current and new. Yeah, I mean, and foot traffic alone in Toronto uh, at a store that size and that has that great of a reputation. I think that uh, overall, so uh, far, it, it really means a lot. Like you're right there. You had a tournament organizer come up to you and witness you and one other player playing and that sparked his interest. So if we get to a point where we have, you know, you know, you and a player playing and then we have a couple other people playing on a different night of the week or on the same night of the week and, you know, two people turns into four and then four into six and like, and that's the, that's the incremental growth because ultimately um, we produce beautiful play mats. We honestly believe we produce beautiful cards. Um, I believe so. And uh, I think they're eye catching, right? So when, when people walk by and see it, like you said, Jake, um, people love talking games. People love being around, um, discussing games, learning new things, even if it's not necessarily something they want to jump into right now. You know, there's a whole concept, and I know it's saying that it's like out of sight, out of mind, but if it's insight, it's in your mind, right? Like you you see it, and now it, it clicks with you, or if you recognize it and be like, hey, I remember that game where this person was in here earlier and, and talking about it, and that's that's the growth, right? It's, it's exactly. organic. It's oh, grassroots, yeah. um, and it's a lot of work. But if you have people like yourself who are devoted and are willing to put the work in, us as a company, and I know me personally, I'm going to back you 100%, um, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll make a push. And if that means that we set up a, a learn to play there about a couple weeks or a couple days or whatever before, that we make the extra trip down there beforehand, walk in on a super busy night, walk around, and literally sit at a table with a group of guys or girls playing another game. And when they're done playing their game, just slide a booster box their way and like, let's crack this open together, you know? And, and just, and, you know, give out some free, free demo decks and some, some stuff and like, just sit down and experience a box opening with them because whether you're a fan of the TCG or not, you have to admit as a, as a TCG player, Oh yeah. Op- opening up a box of cards is like Christmas, right? Oh yeah. It's, it's so uh, nothing better. It's, um, even when going to a store and just somebody else is opening um, a box at, at the table, it's just sometimes you'll get a few other people sitting down at the table looking on and, like, you get anything good. It's, it's always, I mean, it's Christmas. Yeah, and so I think that's where we're going we're gonna to try and lay that out. We're going to be kind of communicating back and forth with 401 now, thanks to you, and... Um, we're gonna we're gonna hammer out a, a date to do a learn to play, and then when we figure out that, we're gonna go a couple weeks ahead and kind of prime the scene, um, and, and prime the player base. Show up, give us some free product, get people talking and buzz about it. So then, when 401 inevitably advertises that they're doing a learn to play, uh, we have already uh, we're already in people's minds, you know. Exactly. And so, speaking of sets, how do you feel about empires? Oh, I'm. I mean, I'm both really looking forward to it and kind of dreading it. Why is uh, I'm that? kind of dreading like all my carefully um, learned uh, play, um, play line being smashed with that uh, hammer that is Empire. 
<laughs> oh, just oh. being flipped on your head because you yeah. have a whole, whole much new cards to learn. Yeah, I'm, that's fair. I mean, so I mean, at the same time, I'm looking forward to it disrupting the current um, current play is a little static. Um, little, not very, but I feel like even recently there's been a few upsets with. I mean. Demons not taking first is, uh, and we're seeing a lot, uh, a lot of different decks. I mean, I'm very happy. Happy I brought angels to top eight at a uh, at the battle for glory. That was awesome to see because that was a pure angel list, Jake. That was really awesome to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm looking to toward seeing like new legions, new decks. I'm looking even like just I'm looking forward to seeing a, a, the huge change in play. I mean, I'm sort of sort of dreading all the uh, different uh, control. As a con I mean, I might be a control player, but I hate playing against control. <laughs> Fair enough. So you play on dead. So speaking of control, do you do you think you'll stick with Mortis or do you think you'll go Malady way? I I honestly do not know. Um, Undead is probably my go-to legion. Hmm. I probably play angels the best, um, but undead is probably my go-to, and I think that I really like playing Mortis, and I feel like I might, I might do like, I might have two undead decks. Oh no, I'm like hundred percent. I'm one for like higher level play and one for casual play. Yeah, um, no. I really like how Mortis plays. However, on a but I'm seeing so. And I'm gonna. I'm, I mean, I see a lot of uh, uh, different combo potential with all the Grim Wars and stuff. And I'm and really enjoy how current and dead plays. So, but at the same time, I have some really, really nasty ideas from um for the um Lady deck. Yeah, no, Mally's gonna be very interesting because it. At least in my opinion, the way that it feels currently is it feels like it's a deck where you gotta keep like all your key pieces on. Which I feel it. Um, so I'm big on tempo decks. Oh, okay. which I mean, the angels, current undead, they're all tempo based, and I feel like melody's gonna be. Play Malad, Mal, yeah, Malady. I, I don't know why I'm stuttering yeah, over good, it, good, but yeah. Um, I feel like it's almost going to play a bit closer to the tempo, Angel's tempo. Oh, hundred percent. Then, yeah, so. I, Undead's tempo. Though so I'm actually, I might, Mortis might be still be my favorite, but I'll probably. Um, probably be playing um a lot of um a lot of melody. Yeah, I think yeah, it, just, it seems like it's a good mix between the two decks that you really enjoy. So, dude, I'm the same way. I love angels. I love undead. Started to really find a feel for orcs as well. But so I'm I'm excited for melody. It's gonna be it's gonna be disgusting. I love it. Oh yeah. Um, Slowly I mean, just, uh, I don't know, destroying the board state. Yeah, kind of dreading orcs theft. I'm oh, yeah. 
Or Very stealing, excited for Doc's box. Stealing units. I'm. I mean, to be fair, they they don't. There's even with what we've spoiled so far, and and the way that the the game flows, at least from our you know over year full of testing of empires that uh, that you'd be surprised on face value it'll appear that Ducks Fox wants to steal a lot of pieces, but they're just a small cog into his much bigger machine. Exactly. Because ultimately his deck is generate counters, remove counters, detonate the bombs, and do I mean, damage. I might... So, I am a huge fan of board wipe. So, yeah. I might pick up um, Deathwalk. Yeah. There's a very real chance that I could be... I, I could be an Orc player. Um, it's... Um, I mean, I, lo I love generating counters, um, and I like my board wipe. So if you're a board wipe fan, I have to ask what uh, you what was your opinion on Abraxas, the Mystic Fire Sphinx that got spoiled, the the mythical beast exalted. It's good. I I I mean I I want to play it, but Myth Beast, I sort of feel like a lot of the play style, it's this it's based it's destruction and not board wipe based, or at least currently. Um I, I'm, I've been paying attention to, I mean, just, I've been paying a lot of attention to Death Vog stuff because of the lore. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I've been playing a lot of, very close attention to Angels, Titans, Undead. Um, but, um, I, I saw it and I'm like, oh, this is, am I also going to be playing Myth Beast? <laughs> if they get more board wipes. I might be playing Myth Beast. So speaking of Titan, you said you've been paying attention to Titan, and you said you're typically a tempo player. That's one of the things you like, but you also like to play control. And so where do you feel that Gaia fits into that, the new Titan Warlord coming? I feel like um, Gaia's... Um, it's a different type of control. It's... Um, especially in bestowing blockade onto the opponents, it's... I want to play around with it, um, and I'm, it's, I can say it's interesting. I'm, it hasn't quite, so, like, Maladies has really just, right away I'm seeing Playline. Cast deal, I can go on about, um, I can go on about how the, um. Angel Playlines? All the Angel Playlines, um, but I won't. I will save that for one of the first tournament I use that deck in. <laughs> All right. Castiel's going to be close, fun. Close to the chest. I like that. But, you know, let's just say Castiel Thefria might be a thing. Yep. Oh, yeah. I've thought about that so much. Oh, Castiel yeah. no, just go just... boom. It's so fun. So being yeah. a more experienced angel player and being able to pilot pure angels to a top, uh, to a top eight finish um, just as recently as, uh, as this past weekend, um, where do you feel like obviously angels are the most least re or the least represented in the current game state, current meta? But do you feel that that's going to drastically change with Empire's release? Um, not right away. I do not think it will change right away. I think that people will probably stick with okay. These are the le the legions that are getting the most play are are going to get the most play for the, probably the first tournament or two. And then once people start to get used to the new warlords, I think that's, I think it's going to change. 
Um, now, whether people are going to be. I don't think Angels is going to become too much less forgiving of, of mistakes. Um, I know my first two games, I made a few misplays. I mean, I made one. Um, I had um, I had completely misread the um, the, the um, effect of calf seal because I had um, I was like, there is no way that this card is that good. It is way too tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, game oh, one you, and two, you missed that he couldn't add himself back to hand. Then, yeah, I missed I could add himself back to my hand. So I was um, every turn I was bloodborning four playing um, Bloodborne 4 off of its Ascension of the Sephirium, which doubles counter and can add me in as Sephirium back to my hand. I was doing that instead of uh, something else, and that was... Um, I don't think it would have done too much in my game 2 against uh, Pat. It might have made it go to... It might have made it go to game 3, but I don't think it would have done too much otherwise. Um... But it might have won me game one. No, fair enough. Personally, for me at least, I think right off rip, you're going to see a lot of Castiel, a lot of Duck's Box, and a fair bit of Malady. Oh, I, I'm... And I think that's, people are going to get very frustrated with Malady, because I think that's, he's complex. That's interesting. I think that's an interesting take, because... Um, coming out of the gate, I think, with Empire's release, I, I do agree with Jake very much so that I think a lot of people are going to stick to their old Warlords because that's what they're used to. They're just going to splash some of the new cards coming in Empire's into their deck. They're going to tweak it out, figure out those playlines. Um, and then there's going to be the brave few that you know go into release day tournament and they're going to try a new deck with a new Warlord and just try and learn Trial by Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, but, Trial by Fire is a great way to learn. Um, yeah. I, I just think that I think the the, the warlord that's going to see early push out of empires and the deck that's going to probably see um, pick up some early wins at empires before people know how to play against it is going to be Ethelheim and her alehouse dwarves. Oh yeah, no, oh, I, I think, forgot about Ethelheim. I think she's yeah no I definitely agree. Um, Ethelheim and yeah no Ethelheim is so I, funny. I think that a lot of people are going to shy away from Angela um, because of dice roll. Yeah, Angela's dice roll. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like people will shy away from it, but I think it's going to be very funny because I know, I think I can think of a few people in my mind who will go right to Angelica to really they're going to try and make it work for sure, and just <laughs> be like, all right, let's roll some dice and go at it for like the entire game. It'd be so fun. Yeah, I'm. Um, like the one thing or, or deck that I'm sure I'm gonna be picked up right away is as the, as um, Matt had mentioned, um, Dustbox. Yeah, no, yeah, I think, think Dustbox will see play early. Yeah. Um, yeah, that will see play right away. I'm not. I don't think. Uh, I'm not sure if Malady or Cathia will be picked up right away. Um. I'm almost tempted to say that um, I think that Dustbug and um, Ethelheim will be the will be right away. Those are the two that are going to be picked up. Um, I 
I'm interested to see what I can do with Miss Beast. Mm-hmm. I haven't really um, figured out Marisad yet. As um, the destroying unified and fortified effect of the Warlord and... Uh, Wait, sorry, which mythical beast are we talking about? Shalara or Marisad? Because yeah, Shalara is the incremental board destruction over time, right? Where Marisad is going to be is, is the, the new Warlord coming that's going to generate the eggs and the eggs hatch into dragons. And... Right, there was... Okay, I might be thinking of a different card. Am I just thinking of the Exalted? I think I'm just thinking of the Exalted. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. but I feel like there's a lot of board... I The eggs are actually, I feel, are going to be a, a really powerful card, a really powerful mechanic that has a lot of potential. Well, and speaking of Exalted, then, if you're talking about the eggs having a lot of potential, I know we spoiled the other Mythical Beast Exalted. Uh, bind the dragon soul and that's the one that makes it so all of your sprites in the uh, eradication yeah, zone become dragons yes yeah, so they all become dragons oh so. yes that so then now they're all hatch targets for the eggs oh i didn't even oh oh damn i didn't even think about that i was just like this yeah you can shuffle things back you can shuffle your sprites back this is good we like this, no, and then I was like, "No, yeah, yeah, now they're hatch targets as well." Is that like? Wait, hold on. What's Millennium do again? I forget what Millennium does. So I'm just I I really like the fact that uh, and as we talking about Empires here, and we were talking earlier about that grassroots growth. Um, I think that with Empires on the Rise, um, we. Uh, like I said, I'm doing a little bit more retweaking and retooling for the the new Kickstarter. We're running back on it, um, and you know, I'm downshifting the warlords from renown to rare. Um, I think that's going to be a lot better in terms of. Um, I mean, I wasn't too worried about accessibility before because all my number breakdown said that I can, you could build a a deck out of the box at a 92% rate, but now this makes it as that you can like almost 100% of the time as a new player buying an Empires in the Rise booster box that you can build an entire deck out of one box. So exactly. I think that's I think that's a, a really big boon for the community, both existing and new. Um, but having, um, we're also going to be bringing back the original eight Warlords oh. in, second, in second edition in this set as well. So that way, um, across the board, we have a new Allegiance mechanic in the game that says that you can only play certain cards with certain Warlords, so having access to all 16 in one box is going to be oh. very valuable. Yeah, I mean, I, I know um, I um, when we were talking in the spoilers uh, threat, uh, ch channel, we had, um, uh, that was the concern that I had brought up because um, I was, I, like, as you had mentioned, building it right out of the box and i'm like well wait that'd be a pretty bad feeling to pull michael's final um michael's final wrath. Wrath. yeah michael's final wrath michael's final wrath um but not have michael not have michael yeah um so yeah, we wanted to make sure, and I mean, you're going to hear it first on this podcast. I mean, I'm going to be spoiling it anyways, but you'll hear it first on this podcast that the uh, that the other eight second edition renowns will be the synergies. Oh, from from Ravage Lands. Okay. Um, oh. So we felt as though bringing those back were 
uh, pretty quintessential. Um, we have plans for the Guardians coming okay. up. So we wanted to make sure that the, because when you really look at the game as a whole, based on the rules and how it's built, the Guardians, although are obviously what you want for competitive play, but they're not essential for learning the decks and learning the game um, and teaching new players. So we wanted to make sure that you had all the other access to all the other essential pieces. And so with Empires already giving you Warlords, Veil Realm, Synergies, and Guardians, and then us reprinting the other synergies from Ravage Lands, as well as um, reprinting the uh, first the, the first eight Warlords as well, you now can legitimately build at least one, if not two, decks out of one box. Um, so that's what we really wanted to have that for players, because instead of um, at this point in time, it we can't make the set and um, new starter decks, particularly since we have new starter, we have starter decks still in existence anyways. The main focus was to encapsulate a new player. You can literally get one booster box, build a deck and learn to play all out of the one box. And so that's why we wanted to bring the synergies back um, because then it really gives you variety in deck building as essential game pieces. Exactly. And so how does that change the, um, so that keeps the, the same amount of rares in the set, correct? Yes, yeah, so the only the only thing that changes uh, really is just ultimately um, the size of the box. Uh, so when we originally designed it, oh. um, so sorry I cut you off there. Um, that's okay. But so this means that um, the what that I think four renowns per box and one exalted every two box. Yeah. Still going to. Yep, they will still stay the same. Okay, that's um so wow, that's really yeah, so, so yeah, so we really wanted to make it so um the original box, like I'm holding it in my hands right now, um obviously you can't see it on the podcast, but the original box uh, when it was designed in its prototype form was actually fifteen card packs, eighteen packs per box. The only decision we made when we went to launch it to Kickstarter is we wanted it to to make the biggest impact as we possibly could, so we we were gonna up the count to twenty four packs but um realistically both with the way the kickstarter went but also just um trying to make sure that it was the most affordable option for both us and for new players uh we ultimately went back to my original design so i'm pulling out the old original algorithms that i designed for the set and so now it actually works on a pack by pack basis you actually just get more value out of the box um because ultimately even at 15 cards per pack 18 packs per box one booster box is 270 cards when you open it, which is more, there's just 30 more cards than Ravage Lands. And Ravage Lands was our best set. So um, already, like, you're, you're getting the box for cheaper than you would buying Ravage Lands, and you're getting uh, more cards than you would buying Ravage Lands. And so I think for a new player, like, this is the set to start with. Because not only do you get more cards and better value, but you also straight away you get a better pull rates on absolutely everything. Um, because now that we're adjusting it back to 18 packs per box, the you still get four renowns in a box. So that works out to one renown every three packs. Which is amazing. Amazing. Um, oh. and then you know your one and two exalted. So then when you look at it, when you really break it down now, the cases are break down by by uh, six boxes in a case. So now, um, you know, you're still getting your four renowns per box. So for the, the players that are really deep divers like Jake here and, 
and many others in the community. You know, you get a case of empires, um, you're getting six boxes times, so that's that's 270 cards times six. Um, so your collection doubles in one purchase, but also um, having it where now you're getting four renowns per box, right? Uh, your renowns are just double what it would have been when you bought Ravage Lands. Um, and then the Exalted Pull we kept the same as Frontiers because I think the community overall really liked that and an Exalted one for every two boxes. So it ended up being like a really good chase factor in a nice sweet spot. But then introducing the original eight Ravage Lands Exalteds back into the game as well. I know you, Jake, as a as a guy who's been hunting as a set collector, you're missing just the Kindle Haas from Ravage Lands, yeah. right? The elusive oh, dwarf. Just, just that one. Um, well, I, people have been such a big help um, uh, with me collecting it. I'm just so grateful. Like, it's an amazing community we have. Um, that um, people are always willing to lend a hand to help each other. I know when I was building the, some teaching decks, I was missing a card or two, and I didn't want to risk um, something happen to the ones in my master set, and people were willing to throw me some of the cards that I was missing. Um, so, yeah, and, uh, just one card left. Um, so hopefully somebody will be willing to trade their first edition for a second edition and something else if I can't get it beforehand. Well, I know that there's some people in our community already talking about that, is that the, the adding the second edition Exalted's in, and we're keeping them the same pull rate as what Ravage Lands was, so um, that they are still going to be one in four for the second edition Exalted's, oh, because we wanted to make sure that um, we didn't overprint them to diminish the first edition's value, but we also still wanted to have them reasserted back into the community as well. Um, especially for the people who got, are coming in in Empires on the Rise and entering into the game, it wouldn't necessarily have access to some of those those pieces from Ravage Lands right away, right? Or, or in existence because Ravage Lands was so so small of print runs. So, yeah, we wanted to make sure that they had access to them. So I know a lot of community members were already take, talking about how um, if they open a second edition Exalted, they'll they'll probably either trade their first edition to someone who's wanting to complete their master set like Jake is, or they'll just get their first edition exalted, um, graded and slapped. I'm and in that same boat. I'm like, I like the first edition. However, it doesn't make a big difference to me. If someone's going to complete a master set, I'm probably not going to be able to just given my circumstances, <laughs> it's a little more difficult for me to, however, like if I, if, Hey, if you pull a Kindle Haas, you trade that to me, and then, I don't know, we can figure it out, like, most, if not all my Exalteds, except Void Hollow, of course, are all available for, like, second edition trades. Most. Oh, that's... Thanks, that's fantastic. I mean, and I mean, that's part of the thing that, like, makes um, Legions so great is how great our community is. I mean, everybody's always friendly willing to lend a hand it's uh fantastic well i yeah, i really like the fact that our community is very open um you know they have the ability to to, to private message me too and i can get i can get one-on-one -on -one feedback and one-on-one -on -one discussion with with our player base and our community because ultimately you guys are what help you know you're the reason why the game exists so of course i'm going to listen to your feedback and you know the that you guys that are wanting to play the game, try it out, grow it like you are, Jake. Um, I think that that's excellent. And 
you know, I'm not going to lie. I was on the fence whether or not I was going to include the original eight warlords in. But after that discussion I had, I saw you have with some of the other community members, I was like, well, I'm retooling the set anyways. Let's let's throw those in mm-hmm. because it just it just makes sense. And like and so right there, like your discussion changed the outcome of this box before it was printed. Yeah, and I mean, being able to get the feedback is, I mean, might be a, probably a double-edged sword, but it also must be such a huge help um, to, to notice things that might have been overlooked or might have been, well, as you said, like something that you're on the fence about. Um, and like, I was, I mean, a lot of people brought up the great point of, well, they're already available in the battle decks and as box toppers. and Oh, I certainly understand that. But if I'm a new player, you want to buy one product. You don't want to go hunting for stuff, right? I don't. Yeah, I, I'm gonna want to. Well, I've bought this box of vampires. Why do I have to buy this, this uh, box of uh, frontiers? Or why do I have to buy a battle deck? Yeah, you should want to buy those and not have to buy them. Yes, right? exactly. And, that, and, and I, I so think that's, that's why. That's why we really wanted to focus on empires in this little bit of a rework here as we relaunch the Kickstarter coming up in March, um, that our 100% focus is gearing it towards helping our existing community members since they gave us such critical feedback this far, but also being the set that is the core set, the the starting point for brand new players. Exactly. Of course, there's going to be like key I pieces mean... that are in Ravaged Lands and Bountiful Harvest, but you could mostly get those as singles. And yeah. like, and I think that's something that just happens with the age of the game, right? It's like, you can't expect Magic to, you know, reprint every single Commander or oh, yeah. or anything like that just because it's it's been out for so long and it's there's that kind of there's well, already in, a in, large enough establishment. I feel. Yeah, and in card games, you have to have that. You have to have that point where there has to be the baked in collectability, but there also has to be that threshold where. Um, you have to make cards playable, exactly. Uh, but you also have to make you have to make cards desirable, but you also have to make them available. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's always that intrinsic value of cards baked in that the secondary market creates, right? That is out of our hands as a developer. So we had to make sure that we pay attention to that intrinsic value that the community has created because. What do we, we don't want people like Jake who invests a bunch of money into the game, buys all the cards, collects the master set, only to reprint all those cards and then just diminish everything, all the work and effort and money that you put in. We don't want to do that, right? So we want to exactly. find that delicate balance, and that's where that feedback from the community is so crucial. No, exactly. I feel, I feel like um, that very clear, that first edition shield, the non-foiling, and the... Um, like the oh when it's reprinted if it gets the first edition it's going to be alternate art such as the full arts of revival ooze imprints yeah um all those play the part and i mean legions is an eternal format game so that faces an additional challenge because it's not um I mean, it's not a rotation-based game, so everything's always legal, and... Which means you have to make those cards always available in some way. Yeah. And exactly. that, there's, therein lies a challenge for keeping collectability up, and I feel like you've been doing a good, like, the, the way you did the reprints, the, um, 
which I'm still going to, even if they might not count towards the master set, I'm still going to want to get all eight of the reprinted. Uh, yeah. But uh, the way the, even with how, like the way you did the re- reprints is really good. They're very clearly, well, they lack the foiling. They have the silver shield. That's a different set code on them. They're very clearly. It's very distinct. Yeah. And it's. So I feel like, I mean, if you. For this, you'd probably need to take an example from Yu Gi Oh! is to look at how certain cards, the original printing, still holds this value. And I'm. So, I mean, hopefully it will. Like the original printing will still hold. 10 years down the road will still hold its value and the second printing will be and then there will be the special arts or whatever which will have their own value and so speaking of those alternate arts and those things another way for us to try and help the community i'm sure you guys couldn't help but notice that uh our new stretch goals that we're putting into place um having the very first one at only five thousand dollars more than the stretch goal um you know those who are keeping track and have listened to the podcast and have been keeping track and following legions up to this point we saw forty six thousand achieved on our first kickstarter obviously did not see the full funding but it gave us a really good benchmark from what the community is going to be put forward how we can work with things and play within our means and it was really good to to setting a benchmark for how we move forward so having the new kickstarter coming in march with the forty thousand um, dollar budget uh, or the funding goal, um, since we saw forty six, we should be able to achieve forty. Um, and at that point, then having the forty five thousand, so just five thousand more um, past funding goal, we unlock the Magic Void collection for all backers. So that includes the the exalted reprint alternate art extended art version of Magic Void Hollow, which is a card that everybody likes to have um, and play but also for never before seen never before printed um other magic void cards coming as well so all siphon? backers will receive a uh, siphon is not one of them Ooh. so there are four that you've never seen before that are coming um that will also be there and then the next five thousand dollar threshold after that for the next stretch goal is the entire twilight garden collection which you guys which, have seen already uh, uh, yeah no i'm so is it one I'm of each so or is it full place it's, it's one of each it's one of each Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh. Because they are renowns, right? So, um... The flowers. So yeah. supposed to get a second one of each of the renowns. Well, what we're going to be doing is that, um, later on, uh, in another version, much like we've done before with an alternate artwork, um, or a different treatment or whatever, we will, um, see those cards be, uh, reprinted and included in other things, but everyone will have access to them, uh, at least one copy of every single one um in there but at the same time we're open to feedback if it's something that the community really wants the um playset so much so uh, we'll we'll be open to making those adjustments but ultimately um it was there as a reward for our existing community and our great backers thus far but also to add that chase uh collectability to kickstarter that ultimately people want so and just for reference, the, are the Twilight Flowers renowns or are they rares? Uh, the Twilight Flowers, the individual flowers, are all renowned. So just like the um, the independent uh, new Magic Void cards that no one has seen yet, they are all renowns as well. Mm, okay, okay. And so what do these Magic Void cards do exactly? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, you know what Void Hollow does. So I do. Um, they are going to. Uh, the only other Magic Void card that you've really seen here that's printed in the game right now is Magic Void Collapse, and Collapse is the absence of the Void. It's the collapsing of the Magic Void, so it actually functions different than the Magic Void cards. So um, in that regard, you'll see that these four new Magic Void cards that uh, that we will eventually spoil for everybody, um, they will follow the same suit like the Flowers did for Gardens. They'll follow the same suit of following in line with the original Magic Void Hollow. Okay. And one more question before I think we should probably call it here for the night. Um, okay. So, Malady uh, in Horrific Harvest, her uh, her dress is made from the Twilight Flowers, correct? Yes, I know that was a community discussion um, uh, and it was a discussion point of whether people liked the artwork for that one um or if they thought it seemed out of place and if it's supposed to be jarring and out of place and it really sets you off that was 100 percent my intention oh. um so the whole concept of malady's horrific harvest as you see her skipping through her flower field her titan corpse flowers are much much larger than her and she's jumping through with the double scythe i wanted to really to tie in that old school alice in wonderland feel where she's in a world bigger than her and she um, you know, she's a, she changes based on her environment, but yes, her dress is a very, very stark, beautiful pinks and colors that don't fit the really mono tone and the gringy, grimy tone of the background. And it's really jarring to look at from the eye, but, uh, that's a really good thing that you pointed that out, Matt, because, um, if you look closely at the, uh, flavor texts for the Twilight Flowers, all of them have the same flavor text and all of them are spoken by Marianas, the Corsair of Despair, which you guys in the community know that this is the pirate that travels around and steals from all the realms and she will eventually become a deck of her own. And, but I mean, in, in true pirate fashion, pirates don't steal for the sake of stealing. They steal for the sake to make money or some sort of, some sort of uh, bounty of some kind. So Marianas isn't stealing the flowers for her. She's stealing the flowers for Malady. Oh, and does and that mean that's what the flowers in Malady's deck are going to be useful? Well, the flowers obviously are going to be useful in I think every deck, but that's why we had that stark contrast of her bright pink dress in a very grim, dark, morbid world because it's the concept of it's kind of alluding to the fact that the bright flowers found on Twilight Gardens that Malady is jumping through her sickly flower garden trying to get or get marianas to get those sought after hidden flowers for her there's a lot of dark plans hatching in empires on the rise um malady you know using marianas to collect flowers for her. um and as we saw with the one of the fractured foils already is that duck's fox lying in his deprivation chamber and if you look closely in the fracture you see that decima is on the other side and she's mm -hmm. communicating through Duck's Box to the Ooze. So there's a lot of dark schemes hatching in Empires on the Rise. And um, that's only going to play forward into, you know, our darkest set yet coming after that with Masquerade of the Macabre. So. I'm so excited for Masquerade. I'm... Oh, yeah, no. Super excited for um, Masquerade. Well, super excited for both Masquerade and Corsair. Um... Oh, I did wonder. So one thing that I've noticed is um so 
I know a lot of other games, they do 24 packs per box. Yeah. And I know, like, I know one or two players, like, oh, it's only 18 packs per box. Why am I getting less packs? Um, and that's been a question that um, when I was, I've been asked a few times when introducing the game to players, they were yep. looking at the stuff. So looking at um, the product lines, um, yep. so, and they, that's just something that's um, come up a few times. Okay. Um, so I guess two-part question. One is um, the logic behind it when so many other TCGs um, go for 24 plus. And the other is, is that um, box size um, predicted to change in the future? Well, um, those of you that have listened and uh, and heard, I'm sure you probably have too, Jake, on the last one, we talked with Samuel about the golden pack ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything detailed based on how the packs are laid out, not necessarily the boxes, make sure you check out that uh, that podcast and listen to about the golden pack ratio um, and the, the stipulation and the formula that I that I have come across over my extensive research in the TCG space, but also just trying to adapt it and apply it into legions. Um, but when it comes to the boxes, um, we knew that industry standard for the most part, like you said, was 24. And that's the exact reason why we came out of the gate with Ravage Lands at 24 packs per box. Um, and they were 10 card packs because we were using a brand new printer at the time. Uh, they have a lot of printing experience, over 20 years of printing experience, but uh, mostly with uh, with sports cards. So um, they didn't have a lot of experience with TCGs at the time and working, and we were brand new to it as well in the whole printing and mass production philosophy. So when it came to that, um, the way press sheets are formed and the way uncut sheets are formed, I'm sure you guys have seen it through the uncut sheets that have been made available or that were as visible at Fan Expo, um, that the actual rows were 10 across. So it made it very easy to make 10 card packs. Um, because then you could have a row cut, a row cut, a row cut. As long as you, the algorithm worked properly, you can make uh, 10 card packs. So that goes into the whole golden pack ratio situation. Um, and now we obviously turn that on our head, on its head with the empires being at 15 card packs. Um, but when it comes to a number of packs per box, it also comes down to that golden pack ratio is we wanted to make sure that um, we wanted the right amount of packs per box to work with the set. And what we mean by that is oftentimes, um, you'll see a lot of games where we have this thing called box chav and box anemia, something I also touched on in the previous one, but Mm -hmm. where if you crack open a box that has 24 or 36 packs in it, but the set size is only 180. Well, if you crack open and they're, you know, they're 15 card packs times 24 packs, right? Like that 360 cards, yeah, 360 cards, but the set size is only 180. Well, what happens then? You're left with a whole bunch of bulk, right? So you're, and then you end up filling a closet. You know, you have long boxes full of it. Stores can't get rid of it. You know, you can use it as fire kindling most of the time, right? And to me, when I look at it, is I want the players in the community to get the most value out of everything that they buy, right? Now, inherently, when you buy something, you think, it has more in it, which means I'm getting more value. But are you really? Mm-hmm. Right? And it's not a matter of me trying to retrain anyone in their way they're thinking, but is the fact that I don't want people to 
open boxes and boxes of legions and get upset with the sheer amount of bulk that is found in boxes. I'd rather them get the playable pieces they need to play the game and have a little bit of spare so they can deck build, they can teach, they can trade, because ultimately it's a trading card game. But I don't want people to be just like, you know, going to a basement filled with bulk from the floor to ceiling, right? And to me, I found a lot of games were in that position where um, they, they overprinted cards or have too much of it. So that comes down to set size. And I mean, I guess you see it all the time where um, you're at a tournament or a game store, somebody has um, opened a box and then, or open, or not, it's not always even a box, they'll open a couple packs and they're like, open it up, take a look, pull one or two cards out, leave it on the table. Yeah. And that, that goes into the whole the designing of the TCG, right? I, I really think that I've done a decent job and I've got great feedback from the community about Legion, some of your most valuable game pieces and your most in, integral parts to playing competitively are found in the common and uncommon slot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember um, I got really... Un- so my sister had all the luck with, with the... Um, when we split the box. Um, but yeah. um, even... After that, I think I I did not pull that uh, third uh, the third prince. <laughs> yeah, and that's, a, that, uh, and that's an being, uncommon, right? Yep, and so it was everybody was surprised. Yeah, well, that's the thing is I wanted to make sure that when you buy a box, I, I absolutely can't stand when people do box openings, whether it's in person or you're watching it online. And they get half of the box, and now you're seeing all these duplicates. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, obviously, you want to form your playset, but I'm talking, like, extra, extra duplicates. Oh, yeah. No, like, the five copies of... Yeah. So, I really wanted to tie that in is the fact that you open one box of legions, specifically now coming into Empires and Rise, you open one box, you should get almost every common and about three-quarters of your uncommons and about half your rares, right? Because the average player buys two boxes usually, right? Specifically, if they hit a couple big hits, they're like, oh, I want more, right? It's that Christmas feeling. So without trying to gouge the community, but also still trying to balance that fine line between people um, wanting to open product, but stores also being able to move product. Because if you open a box and you get everything in the box, you don't need to buy anymore. Therefore, it means the store doesn't sell anymore, and that angers them, right? Because now they're sitting with dead product on the shelf. And that's not good for a relationship with the store, right? So the average player buys two boxes. So if you get two boxes of empires, you're pretty you're you're guaranteed to get all your commons, all of your uncommons, most if not all of your rares. And then because of our pull ratios on renowns got even better, now you're getting eight renowns in two boxes, right? And there's 20 renowns in the set. So you're already pretty much halfway there in two boxes. See what I mean? So it's something we really wanted to work on and fine-tune. Um, and that's why we have like the 18 packs per box is solely based on what the set offers, how many cards in the set. Now, quite simply, if I produced a set with 400 plus cards, you're, you'd be damn sure that I would put it to 24 packs per box, 24 times 15, because you can open 360 cards and you still don't get the whole set right in one box, which is great. That's, that's healthy. Players expect a healthy amount of chase but stores also expect to be able to move product. Exactly. There's a, a fine balance that you got to find. Yeah. So I guess it boils down to it being the 
um, optimal ratio um, of cards per pack, pack per box collection. Um, exactly. Yep. Exactly. And we felt that was, um, you know, Ravage Lands. We wanted to set the set the status quo and put it at twenty four because it was our new jump into the game, and we know people were used to that, and we don't want to change people's way of thinking. So that's how we did. Um, and then we adjusted it as we went. And that's why, um, that's one of the biggest questions I get. That's why we were asked, um, what separates a booster set, an expansion set, and a blister set? Well, it's box and set size. It's basically like a small, medium, and large drink when you go to a drive-thru. Right? Your small being your expansion set, Boundful Harvest, and the price reflects it. Being a smaller set, cheaper to buy. Your expansion set, Frontiers, and then your or your uh, so your blister set Frontiers, and then your booster set Ravage Lands, and now Empires. Makes sense. Makes sense. But going forward, we're going to make sure that um, we continue the set of the trend of booster sets more so than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so always trying to make sure at the bare minimum you're getting that you know two forty to 300 cards in a box because we know that's the industry standard we can't retrain people's ways of thinking and we have to fit with the status quo and we have to learn um but yeah that's going to be most of it going forward outside of you know a couple auxiliary sets here or there that we put out um like a bountiful harvest season two when it comes around um looking forward to that um (laughs) hopefully i mean i'm hoping it will uh shake things up as much as the first bountiful harvest did oh for sure it will i mean making the just making the return to alberdon just all the automatically will make uh, viviana that much better i mean i can only imagine how much corsair it's gonna shake things up when that comes out uh yes bounty being having a playable warlord yeah yeah so that's that's gonna be a lot of uh, a lot of great things on the horizon and but it all starts with empires on the rise right and let's get this set out let's get it out before gen con Let's get that community back. Let's get that community growth that Jake's been working so hard at. Um, and for those of you listening that are in the Toronto area, um, make sure you uh, make sure you help Jake make that push. And uh, let's get let's get let's land four hundred one games as a retailer ally. And you know the sky's the limit at that point. So exactly, just keep pushing as far as we can. Oh yeah. But with that, oh, with with that, is there anything else, Matt? Anything else there, Jake? before we head out yeah i think um, i'm all good um i think i'm good just look forward to um meeting new people playing games with them let's uh yeah let's grow this together let's sounds good them. all right jake i appreciate you coming on uh i know you're waited patiently we got a long list of people who signed up for the legion's lounge so i appreciate you coming on and of course all the hard work um we'll make sure that we get those extra promos out to you that is owed to you, and we'll also make sure that uh, you get that another level of the ambassador program unlocked as well, because you're doing such a great job for us. So, thank you. Um, Glad so to be Matt, on. So you can find um, this cool. on uh, this and all future episodes on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Castbox, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Basically anywhere there's an uh, audio streaming service. So, well, and there you go. You're out there. You're, You're out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for having you on. And uh, Matt, as always, good job tonight. Um, Thank you, man. And uh, for those of you listening, 
enjoy your enjoy your monday enjoy your week um and make sure you make sure you join the the, the discord and learn more about legions because um we got a lot coming in store for you Ooh, so it's a lot of stuff so with that have a good rest of your day have a good one bye y'all